God, meet us in these moments. Speak to us through your word, and may uh, the things that we say here find some fertile soil in our heart. May it lead us to just a, a tiny bit of a closer walk with your son, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Well, Matthew's first four chapters, which we've kind of gotten through here uh, since about Christmas, have kind of set us up really nicely for where we are today. We know that Jesus is special. We've seen the Spirit of God come to rest on him at his baptism. He's performed some miracles that only God can perform, and we know who he is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so we should kind of be on the edges of our seat waiting to hear what God wants to say to us. Because today Jesus is actually going to speak. He's going to teach. And so what's most important for us to remember is who it is that gives us this word. Who it is that gives us these commands, these beatitudes, these blessings that we're going to hear today. A couple of years ago, uh, we actually taught through the beatitudes and we likened them to old-school vinyl records. For those of you that were here a few years ago, do you remember this? And actually, I forgot it. I left them in the car. I left them in the car. Carl Carlton. I don't know if you remember the one that we were displaying proudly, the nice-looking gentleman with his shirt off. Um, there was a real distraction in worship for a couple weeks. Um, he was awesome, and we had him like, yeah, he distracted Dustin from doing his job, I know. Um, I, got it, I got it from Jeff's house this week, and I left it in the, in the car. Oh, wow. Um, but so we remember this, right? We were talking about records and we said, uh, ask this question. We'll see if we still remember the answer. When you bought a single, a vinyl single, does anyone remember what the, the other side of that was called? Flip yeah. B side. B side or flip side of the record, right? And so it got me thinking this week again, because I just got a brand new record, a needle for my record player. So I was pretty excited to play all these records that I haven't heard for a couple years. Um, and I was thinking about the record, you know, between the 90s and today, vinyl almost went extinct, right? It was really close to extinction. The only ones using vinyl were DJs. Um, and, but in recent years, they've actually made quite a comeback. And so we always have these discussions. I'm like the music purist who loves to hear records and the popping of the needle. Dustin hates it. So we debate this, you know, all the time. <laughs> Which is better? I say it was meant to be heard that way. So I love it. And he's like, he thinks I'm crazy. It's called progress, problem. Right. <laughs> that was good. And so the flip side, right, the B side of the record was always the side that was like the throw-in, the side that nobody cared about, rarely anyone ever listened to it, right? It's the freebie, it's not the reason that you bought the record in the first place. And so... As I think about these Beatitudes, I would like to make the case and the argument that the Beatitudes actually have more in common with the B side of a record than we might think at first. The Beatitudes have become pretty unpopular. They've become fairly unimportant teachings of Jesus, and therefore, the Beatitudes are almost like on the verge of extinction. People think that they're impo these impossible standards that we're to live up to, and Here's what I want us to remember before we hear them. We want to remember that the teacher, the one who said these words, is none other than Emmanuel himself, God with us, right? And that it's through him that these seemingly impractical, impossible teachings become 
possible. My mom used to say to me like every day when I was a kid, with God, all things are possible, right? I grew up hearing that daily. And so in Jesus, we see that the lame walk, the blind receive sight, the dead are raised. And if Christ can do this, he can certainly give us the things that we need to live out his way, right? And so like the improbable comeback of the old school vinyl records, I would love to see us take these teachings, these beatitudes, these blessings, and put them back front and center where they belong. Because this is exactly where they were for Jesus. And so we hear these words. Welcome. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so normally, like when we did this before, we would take one of these per week, right? And so this time in the lectionary, which is what we're working through, this kind of three-year cycle through the Bible, this entire thing comes up for one day, one sermon. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to try. We're going to see what happens. So Jesus saw the crowds. Jesus went up the mountain. Jesus sat down. Jesus' disciples started coming to him, and then Jesus began to teach. And so we're supposed to remember who the teacher is. Just in the first four chapters of Matthew alone, these are the titles that Jesus has already been given. Messiah, Son of God, God saves, God is with us, Savior, King of the Jews, and Beloved Son, whom God was well pleased. We know all of these things already just in the first few chapters of this gospel, and so who Jesus is, we call this fancy, it's got a fancy word, it's called Christology when you go to seminary, right? All it is is who Jesus is. That is the key to understanding Christian ethics or what Jesus teaches. And so Matthew wants us, uh, anyone who reads this Gospel account, he wants us to connect the dots to another story, an important parallel in more ancient scripture, mainly Moses going up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And so Moses' story in the book of Exodus, it began with his birth and his subsequent rescue from the murderous plot of Pharaoh. Jesus' story begins with his birth and a rescue from the murderous plot of King Herod. Moses and his people were slaves in Egypt and later returned to Israel, while Jesus and his parents actually spent time hiding in Egypt later to return to Israel. We know that Moses spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness with his people, Jesus 40 days in the wilderness, enduring fasting and temptation. Through Moses, God gave Israel the Ten Commandments, and through Jesus, God gives the people of Israel and us today the Sermon on the Mount, which is where these 
Beatitudes come from. And so for a long, long time, God had been fairly silent. Prophecy had kind of ceased, but here with these teachings of Jesus that are about to start today and will carry with us here for the next few weeks, God's no longer going to remain silent. And so Jesus, like Moses before him, goes up the mountain to be in the presence of God. To be in God's presence is to be in the presence of the one who delivers us, the one who saves us. And so these Beatitudes are a series of blessings. Some translations, like the one I used when I was a kid, the Good News Bible, I remember it from when I was a kid. It would say, happy are those, right? And then as I look at it, I just don't think happiness works very well. Happiness is something to be attained. By contrast, what we're talking about here is blessedness, is what happens when God is at work in and through our lives. Happiness is more about us, where blessing is all about God. It's all about God's work and activity, not only in our lives, but also in the world. So in my mind, these Beatitudes are really all about God's grace, this unmerited favor. And it's when we lose sight of this fact that the Beatitudes become only rules to follow or teachings that will move closer to extinction among Jesus' followers who don't understand them. They become irrelevant, they become misunderstood, and they're just completely impractical if we don't keep this in mind. These are blessings of God. It's all about God's grace. And so there's uh, nine blessings. They fit into three really distinct categories. These blessings are for all of us who are trying to follow Jesus, right? They take us through this really real cycle of discipleship that we all know too well. It goes something like this. You know, the Father is said to have sent Jesus into the world. Jesus sends his church, people like you and I, as missionaries to the world. And as sent people, we will all experience the ups and downs of discipleship, both the failures and the successes. So we get filled up, we gather together, we come to worship, we get sent back out. Largely, to be honest, ill-equipped, underappreciated, largely unwanted by the world. Following Jesus is hard, right? Life is hard. And in this process, we get knocked down. We find ourselves empty again, needing to be filled back up. And that's how the cycle continues. Jesus blesses us and sends us back out again. And so these are the kinds of things that we're learning starting a new church together. Like life, starting a new church is rarely ever easy. These gifts are sheer grace. These blessings are the kinds of things that God gives us to help keep us in the game. And so in the Beatitudes, there are three kind of distinct Groups of people that are blessed, right? Here's the best artwork I got. This is, this is it, folks. All right? They're like the next step up from stick figures. I guess they're kind of stick figures, but they're like a glorified stick figure, right? These are the categories. Jesus is going to bless three groups of people, the empty, the full, and the hurt. All right? And this is super important, and I'm hoping that we can find ourselves somewhere in this people grouping, because I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to say that Jesus' blessings are for all people. And where are we today? And that's what we'll figure. We'll see if we can figure that out. And so the first four blessings are for the empty. The poor in spirit, those who find themselves either physically or spiritually poor. 
Those who mourn have suffered loss. The meek are the lowly, the little people. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are those that long for God's justice in the world, but they just feel like they don't have what they need to help bring it about. And so the empty are those who, by the world's standards, and sadly, oftentimes our own standards, they just don't measure up. They're broken. They're failures. And so we usually think of the blessed life as this full human life, as having power and joy and success. And yet these first blessings, and I don't think this is an accident, are for those that have experienced these things slip away. They've experienced these things slipping right through their grasp. And so when I reflected on it, I thought, man, nothing in my life has been more challenging or emptying of everything that I have than trying to start Lightshine. God couldn't have picked a more difficult time in our country's history to plant a new church. Christianity, which was once at the center of culture, has been pushed to the margins. And so many today view the church as hypocritical, unnecessary, some dangerous even. Most people are frankly not interested. And I think that's exactly why God called us to start when he did. This is important and challenging time to be the church, especially to be a startup. And so when I thought about myself, I thought about things like feelings of self-doubt and fear and failure and trying new things that fall flat, right? All things that, you know, worrying about the future, all things that empty you and force you to rely and place yourself at the mercy, the goodness, and the grace of God in order to be filled back up and sent back out. And so... I know I'm not alone in this. We all experience life's failure. At points, we all lack joy and we feel broken. And so we get stretched so far sometimes by life that we think we're going to break. I'm sure that there are people among us today that are experiencing this kind of emptiness right now. We all know what it feels like when that gas tank hits E, right? To be empty... Uh, to you, to me, these are, this is, hear are these words of blessing. These are Jesus' words spoken to you. Jesus said, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. For you will be comforted. For you will inherit the earth. For you will be filled. Jesus' blessing to the empty is the promise of his presence. It's a promise of his presence with you through these emptying experiences of life. His blessings are given to fill us back up in order that we can be sent back out again. And so then we get to the next grouping, the three blessings that are for the full. The merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. These are blessings for people who are actively serving Others with the same kind of grace that they've received from God. These are people that are doing right now. And I, I love the psalmist from 112. He writes something really similar. The psalmist in 112 wrote, Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They're gracious and merciful and righteous 
And so not only do we have people that feel empty among us today, I'm sure that we have people who feel full. I'm constantly amazed, really, and inspired by people in this humble new church, by the energy with which people face outward to bless those around you. Some of us today may find ourselves full, actively serving and loving our neighbors, our communities, extending uh, mercy, working for peace and justice in the world. And to those whose gas tank is full, Jesus offers this blessing. And you might hear these words of Jesus spoken to you. He says, you will receive mercy. You will see God. You will be called children of God. And then we get to the final two. These ones get a little tougher. And the final two are for the hurting, for the persecuted, for those who have faithfully, they've gone out and they've served, but they've gotten knocked down by a world that frankly doesn't necessarily want very much to do with God. The persecuted are those like one of my heroes, Archbishop Oscar Romero, if people know his story, a, a man who was gunned down at the altar while celebrating the Mass because he refused to leave this side-by-side relationship that he had with the poorest of the poor in El Salvador. He fearlessly stood up to this murderous and corrupt and evil regime, and it cost him his life. The persecuted are just those who are faithfully trying to follow Jesus and they get knocked down. It's going to happen at some point to all of us. Some of us have experienced this before. If you've ever been knocked down for your commitment to following Jesus, then Jesus has this blessing, these words that he speaks to you. He says, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've got a twisted mind and sense of humor, and I can't help myself. But here's where I went with this one. I wanted to have some fun, because this is what I do. Anybody remember this infomercial, Life Alert? All right. I've fallen, and I can't get up. Yes, it makes me so happy that people know this. Some of the worst acting that's ever appeared on television comes from the Life Alert commercials. Can you picture her with me upside down with the walker lying on top of her with like a smile on her face? I'm falling and I can't get up. But lucky for her, because she had Life Alert, All she had to do was press the button, and within seconds, help arrived, and the world was right again. All right, that's just the way my brain works, and this is the first thing that came to mind, so I thought I would share it. Um, I just like this, too. Sticks and stones are making my bones, but life alert can save me, yes. Um, Then, as I thought about it, I thought, that's really not a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. Life alert's good, but I thought maybe, uh, maybe I could do a little bit better. And so, as I was kind of digging a little bit deeper, uh, trying to think about what is a good image that leaves to leave us with here, this uh, memory came to mind from the 1992 Olympics, Barcelona Games. We'll see who remembers this. Mm-hmm. Derek Redmond, mm-hmm. ring a bell? Yeah. This is an incredible story. Derek Redmond uh, and his father provided the world with, honestly, one of the most gut-wrenching but heartwarming stories uh, in sports ever. And so he's a guy, he was a British sprinter, he qualified for the semifinal heat at the Olympics, the 400 meter. He uh, had the fastest time going into his semifinal heat. He was a British record holder and he was one of the gold medal favorites, which was something that he had dreamed about his whole life. 
And so he has this incredible start. It's like he's being shot out of a cannon. He's making his move, but to everyone's kind of shock and dismay, his hamstring just popped right in the middle of the race. He crumpled to the track, right? And he's just sitting there. And the race is finished before this guy can even get up to his feet. And he starts hopping on one leg, right? And out of the stands, Derek's dad jumps the security line. And he runs out to reach his son. He puts a loving arm around him. He held him up and he guided him back into his lane and toward the finish line. Security tries to stop him. They just wave him off. The dad fends off about three different security guards and helps his son finish the race. He finished, sort of. He was disqualified uh, because he had outside help. Um, But it didn't stop the International Olympic Committee from using footage of this this event from its big Celebrate Humanity uh, video that the Olympic Committee made. It also, Nike took this footage in a big famous commercial that they call Courage. And so to me, it's certainly about courage. It's about not giving up. But to me, even more importantly, when I thought about this, I think it's more about the the love of a father. That's That's what I see when I see this video. It's about the love of a father coming to the aid of his son, picking him up when he'd fallen down, guiding him back to the finish line. Talk about a blessing. And so this is the image that I want to leave with us this morning. Life alert's good, but this one's better. (laughs) The love and presence of a father. This is the blessing of the Beatitudes, regardless of whether we find ourselves in any of those three categories, whether we find ourselves empty, whether we find ourselves full or hurting. Jesus is truly present, picking us up, walking beside us, helping us to finish the race filling us back up again and sending us back out to the world as his ambassadors. And so my hope and prayer is that as we conclude this teaching time with the incredible video footage, which will show, that you'll hear the beautiful words of blessing from Jesus to you. That you will, in a real sense, experience God filling you back up in order that you can be sent back out. And so these blessings, they're far from irrelevant, nor are they impossible. They're really not about us, and that's the mistake. They're the very real blessings of God. And God's loving presence with us in Jesus Christ, when times are good, when times are challenging, we remember that we truly are blessed.